Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the, the game, game of roses. Welcome to the game, game of roses. But there are a lot of people here that are also here for the wrong reasons. They just don't say it. They don't say it. I've been told a lot of things about other people that I would never breathe a word on this beach because I am true to myself. And I'm never going to throw someone else. Even if they have dirt, I don't care about your dirt. I'm here for me. I'm here for my business. I'm not here to throw anyone else under, and I'm here to talk about y'all because everyone has that they don't want to talk about. And this is exactly why I did not get on three flights. 
Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And we have Hello. a, uh, hi, how you doing? You're wearing a fun jacket. I'm sorry. I was just. Yeah, I bought a jacket because I'm going to maybe make some videos for our Patreon where I might be uh, reading portions of a certain book that came out last week that was written by the great one himself, Nicholas Vial. So I thought I'd get a nice little outfit for it. Is he a fellow magician? How dare you? And in some ways, yes. But tonight we have a great show for you. We have a long show, I'm sure, because we're getting through two episodes of Bachelor in Paradise Season 8, Episode 4, Episode 5. A lot of historic things happen in these episodes. <laughs> some for better, some for worse. Oh my god. The new experimental era. This shit is what? fucking insane. You go back and you watch that experimental era. You watch the plate of four white roses delivered by a black-on-black suited Dark Lord Harrison in season four. The precursor to the group date rose. I love that his suit is what you fixate on from that, but yes. That's when he fucking literally became evil. That moment, that scene, that is when the darkness overtook him. That is when he became a Dark Lord. It took him four seasons. I think Jesse Palmer is there much quicker, even though a, a distinct lack of Mr. Palmer tonight, the Dark Lord was absent from most of the document. I agree. I think he was protesting against the Sally Carson edit. <laughs> he was part of the fucking Sally Carson edit. He greeted her at the gates to hell. We saw that tonight. With a, with a great smile, with an empathetic... I know, I know, yes. He did seem like he cared. You're right. You're winning me over to your side of this strange sub-war within the Sauce Wars. But tonight, we did see some uh, some relatively insane things. Things I just really have never fathomed um, on both sides of the coin. And we'll be getting to all of that, rest assured. But before we do, we must inform you that you can go to gameofroses.co right now. And get a Sauce Wars shirt. Get a Game of Roses shirt. What else we got in there? Mugs. Some bags. Hats. I love my hat. I peacock all about town in it. Mm. And you get a, a lot of response? People recognize it? Mm. Not yet, but I'm sure it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep doing and it. And peacocking. That's peacocking right. is not about the success. It's about the action itself. That's true. That's actually true. It's how it makes you feel. Yeah, but, I'm uh, confident. Please go there, check out all of our stuff if you would like to. And now, Pace Case, are you ready to do what we've come here to do? I think so. This episode... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll just say this. With regard to the Game of Roses shirts and stuff, I always say, uh -huh. and I think that this is true, that you can use them as a way to like drag people into the pit. That people... You could wear like a Sauce Wars shirt. And people be like, what the fuck's a sauce war? And then you have to explain mm -hmm. to them what it is. And I will say this. I feel like as someone who has watched a lot of this game, all of it, you might say, right now is the craziest time and probably the easiest time that you could have dragging somebody into the pit. I think you can get them in the pit within two to three minutes at this point, based on all the crazy <laughs> shit that's going on in the show, uh, what they're doing with it, you know? Does that have more to say with the pit or just what state everyone in the nation is in right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Everything's crazy, our beloved game included. But uh, let's get to it, Pace Case. Are you ready? And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present 
analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So the fourth episode of Bachelor in Paradise Season 8 begins with the promo for what you're about to see tonight on BIP. Ashley and Jared get a date card, and they also take dumps in front of one another. Ashley I farts. Brandon and Serene get a one-on-one. We see a kiss. But first, Andrew and Teddy get a recap in the intro narrated by the Dark Lord and a shocking twist. Teddy fled paradise. They literally say that. This is obviously has a negative connotation. This is just in the promo. Uh, she actually was fleeing producers. I mean, technically, paradise, sure. But that's the reason. Will Rodney end up getting burned? No, but this is the sauce narrative that they're forcing DLP to say. I mean, when he has that conversation with Sally Carson about like, oh, you finally made it. We'll get to that. I mean, the sauce was as thick as you could imagine. But we end our little promo with Will Rodney end up getting burned. Find out right now on BIP. Portion one begins. Still got the Sally suitcase in the intro videos. So we know she's... They're either cooking up something with her, we're going to see her soon, or they're really fucking hitting this hard. So they think it's so funny. I like that's my only thing I can offer as an explanation. Here's just like a good rule of comedy if any producers are listening (laughs) when they try to do these jokes. If it's a really funny joke, you can hit it one more time. And if it's an insanely funny joke, you might be able to get it in a third time. Doing it four to 157 times will <laughs> never work. No matter how many times you put it in there after that one, you're fucked. It gets less and less funny and more and more annoying. And that is what is happening with the Sally Suitcase joke. If it was ever funny in the first place. Ooh, I like comedy professor clues. It's, it's one of many roles that I will play as an executive producer of The Bachelor. The rule of threes. In comedy? Basically, yeah. We see Brandon and Rodney split off after they tell Rodney that Teddy has left. And Brandon's like, welcome to paradise. Want to hear about the baddies here? Jill surprised me. She's pretty dope. Victoria Fuller, pretty dope too. Britt is gorgeous as hell, but you're the hottest commodity to hit this sand. <laughs> Love this pump-up speech by Brandon. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I totally agree. His pump-up speeches are good. Anytime he does get screen time, he uses it pretty well. We also saw in the intro, by the way, Ashley and Jared got their own intro where they peek out from behind a tree and they throw Jared a baby and he catches it. They're like characters in the show now. What is there a spin-off show with Ashley and Jared that they are trying to promote? I don't understand. I don't understand their involvement in this at all. I have no problem. And I, in fact, really enjoy when former veterans, especially superstars, come back to like hand out a date card or to run a group date. I thought that their grown-ass man challenge that they did in season 16 of Bachelorette, fucking, they were great. And I love seeing that. When she read DLH's erotica. (laughs) Oh my God. Who could fucking forget that? Like she has supplied so many amazing moments post-career, coming back, doing these things like this. Yes, I know. I saw them all tonight. Oh, (laughs) Oh, how dare you, first of all. Tonight, I mean, I hate to say it. This is almost a stain on the legacy. It was perfect. Now it's like, eh, you did a little too much. They could have cut that out. Oh, my God. Roasted. I know. I'm sorry. It took a turn. It really did. I'm not saying I still don't love them as a couple. They are, I think, 
especially Ashley Kennedy, one of the greatest players who's ever lived. No one can ever dispute that. But now her post-game career, I'm not sure. It's not as pristine as it was to me. Still enjoyed it all. Don't get me wrong. I'm just looking at the prestige level of what the memory of Ashley Kennedy will be. Is it going to be the incredible tear play, the two-on-one with uh, Kelsey Poe? <laughs> Is it going to be the corn, you know? Or are we now going to remember yeah. her for like, she farted too much to have sex? There were so many times this episode where I was like, if I didn't know who they were and I was watching The Bachelor, I would be like, who are these people? I hate them. Yeah. I don't. I love them. But that's what I imagine <laughs> someone watching these fart sequences yeah. would think. But it's also just a strange thing that they're... I get that it's like the tone of it is they're kind of rubbing the shine off of like the fairy tale. Saying like, this is really what it's like to be married. You're so comfortable around each other that you're going to fart and then have sex the next night and you're taking dumps in front of each other like they were in the in their initial little promo thing. And that's what marriage is. Pee yourself sitting on the I mean, we'll just get to it. But we see Lace doing shots with Rodney, and she's ITMing about how she loves his big, white, pearly teeth, and she tells him <laughs> she's staying up late for him. And Rodney's like, I'm a bad influence. He's flirting back, and he's like, I'm trying to talk to you. How many dates you got? Pencil me into the schedule. And she's doing great touch play. She's like, I have five dates planned. What's your type? And he says, if people looked at my resume, and then he does this gesture that loose is his type. And this was a very redeeming relationship story for me on this Bachelor in Paradise season. Fucking love it. I hope they get married. Did you also notice the coded message that Lace Morris sent to us in the document? <laughs> Did you notice this message? Not subconscious or not consciously. <laughs> well, it was right there. They pull out a little ways. She laughs and she's like, ha ha, look, I dug a hole with my foot. She made a fucking pit in paradise. The hole that Lace dug with her feet during this conversation and then calls attention to was almost my play of the game. <laughs> it was so strange. It was so creative. Yes. It was like a physical gesture to represent what's going on emotionally. And I was like, Lace, you are divine. And she says it. If she just does that and doesn't say it, the cameraman's never going down there. They're never going to include it in the edit. She puts a vocal record into the fucking document and now they're going to show it. Brilliantly played. And this is what I'm talking about. Who else is doing that? Who else dug a fucking hole with their foot? No, no one is doing anything. We're seeing a repeat of so many things. Like they're just like, oh, Jacob's going to be the new king. Yes. Oh, we're going to do a spirit guide. It's like all the same thing over and over. Alio is grocery store. What they're doing with Alio, we'll get to that as well. But I just, I agree with you. I love this fucking pit. And I just want to see more from Lace Morris. I want to see more yes. from Victoria Fuller. These are superstar level players who played in a different era and some stuff that was said in tonight's episode is accurate that it feels depressed when Ashley I. Kennedy is telling Jerry god damn it I'm just getting ahead of myself they go in the water and lace love level ones Rodney I like you I like you a lot and Jill is upset she was she had pivoted to Rodney but they make out and then Wells weighs in on the pairing calling it weird 
saying in an ITM that there's always one couple that perplexes everyone, and this year it's Rodney and Lace. So I'm I'm confused by this. Is it because Lace should be with someone else? Why would they even put this in there? They're like shitting on the couple as it's forming. They're like, there's not couples that are supposed to form that we don't know about before the season starts. That's exactly <laughs> it. But isn't that the premise of the show? Is that like, oh, love can come out of anywhere. Any pairing of any of these two people could be a perfect match. You never know. Be open. That's the whole fucking show. Here we see that happening. They shit on them immediately in the edit. And I'm I'm telling you, that's why it's fucking subdued. That's why Azure Kennedy's like, they're all fucking depressed. It's because the producers have all the the modern players are operating under only fear. They are scared shitless of what these producers are going to do to them next. And that's why you're seeing players just be like, nope, I'm fucking out. Nobody will fucking, as soon as they catch a whiff of like, something bad is happening here, I'm fucking out. We've seen it with multiple players. That is bad. That means that you don't have people willing to do those big giant plays, but you still see weird shit like this from Blaze Morris because yeah. she's unaffected by it. She doesn't give a fuck. She's from a different era. She's digging deeper. And not only is Wells shitting on them by calling them weird, but he's he calls her loose, which is yeah. the, the phrase to make fun of her. Uh, portion two. Ugh, it's a... <laughs> I Kennedy portion, and we set up this storyline that they are like, oh, we need to have sex in the boom boom room. That is the whole goal of this date. And they go in the boom boom room. Ashley makes him untie her dress. Ashley, I says it's going to get weird. The boom boom room is going to say, I've never seen this before. And a bug attacks Jared. You think you're gonna come here and be the king of sand? No. This is my beach now. And this bug was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. This bug <laughs> was strutting his Duh. All over Jared Iaconetti, all through the clouds of Ashley Iaconetti's farts to take center <laughs> stage. This bug was also my <laughs> creature of the week. I slowed this uh, clip down to as slow as it would go on my computer to see if it was uh -huh. a real bug. That's how fucking deep I am. I'm like, that's a fucking computer-generated oh. bug. And they got this motherfucker in there doing like pantomime reacting to a bug so that they could get that shot. That's how deep I went into this. Thank you. You okay? I, that sounds like a cry for help. Nah, it's just a new little place in the pit. That's all just a little deeper. Oh, my God. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the beach, at the bar, everyone's doing shots. Rodney is forced by producers to pretend he doesn't know who Jared and Ashley I are, so Wells can then launch into a Wells story time. Rodney saying, what's their story? The worst scripted <laughs> line I've ever heard in my goddamn life was my wowie moment of the week. <laughs> I mean, really, it was the, the Wells oh story time thing, but yeah. this Rodney line leading into it. Oh, terrible. It's unreal. And then it's the same fucking shit where we get all these old clips from season two and three. They've already done this with uh, Jared and Ashley. 
as Wells narrates the evolution of their entire relationship. So they're giving us a history lesson of two very important players. Don't get me wrong. And I'm glad to have these history lessons. I do think this is actually a good idea. The way they're doing it, I don't like. I don't like it being jokey and like Wells story time. It should be a little more serious, but this is a good idea. Yeah, DLP should be narrating it, not Wells. Okay. IMO. Okay. I mean, I agree with you 100%. He's a much better narrator, but... Uh, I think the idea of like, let us educate our contemporary audience who is a little younger, who doesn't know about any of this shit. Let us show them how important these players are to the game. I love this. All major sports do this. They bring back old, uh, you know, superstars of the sport, like ambassadors, basically of the sport to throw out opening pitches and to fucking do shit at football games and whatever. This is, you must do this. It is what every good professional sport does, and they are doing it. And I hope that they at least take that away from the season and keep doing it. Just try different ways, though. The The thing of Wells doing it with the title card things doesn't work. It makes it, like, stupid. Uh, like, we don't give a shit. And these we do give a shit about these <laughs> things. You know what I mean? It makes it seem like the producers don't really give a shit. I give a lot of shit about these things. You know, we haven't done our hyper binge of BIP. I had forgotten that Claire kissed Jared. I had forgotten this whole history as well. And I mean, they leave out a lot of this. They they had like the whole point is like that they met on Paradise, but it's like, no, Paradise tore them apart. She had to go on winter games and date Kevin and then get Jared to come to his senses. None of it was on sand. And then we we uh, see back in the boom, boom room. Jared says off face. Ash, you look really sexy. It's time to make a baby in paradise. This is 100% either from an ITM or some other shot, or maybe they even just had him fucking record a wild line at the end of the night. Dude, can you just say this into a mic? He absolutely did not say this. In fact, I thought this was Ashley I saying it. He said, Ash, you look really sexy. <laughs> she's saying about herself. Oh, I have Ashley I says it's time to make a baby in paradise. I don't know. Maybe she said the second half. I don't know, but nobody was actually saying it. Then we see Ashley's reaction to a fart and then she keeps farting and the ITM about farting and then she tells him she ate too many beans and creamy Caesar salad <sighs> and then they Caesar. ITM being in love to such a degree that they're comfortable around each other creamy Caesar yeah horrible image uh, grotesque I, why are we watching this I had Kennedy nightmare that's what I've written here <laughs> yeah I wrote down it's a 30 minute scene about Ashley I farting and there not being any BBing in the BBR and that's an entire portion we haven't seen any BBing in the BBR. We've only seen the fart sequences and Kira's self-love. Yeah. And you thought that was enough of the Ashley I farting joke, but it's not. Because you get a casting card before we come into the next portion that says, does your love life stink more than Ashley after a creamy Caesar salad? If so, go to ABC Casting. Did you not see that? I missed this one. Oh, yeah. no. Does your love life stink more than Ashley I? After a creamy Caesar salad. That makes me think creamy Caesar is like a producer line. They were like, say this. Maybe it is genuinely something she likes. I don't know. Like this whole farting thing. It, we just got to address this. And I know we're already 20 minutes into this episode and we're in portion fucking two of the I first know. episode. But we have I to know. talk about these things. It doesn't matter. Ashley I's creamy Caesar salad farts are important. And we need to discuss them. Okay, you and your reading room jacket saying this to uh, me right now. I'm <laughs> dissociating. But we do. Uh-huh. Because I. this is the question that I have about it. How, how exaggerated was this? 
I like maybe she's gonna do some farts and stuff, but like how crazy did they make it? I absolutely think they added on a fart track. I think so too. A hundred percent. There's no way they would take you to the hospital if you're farting this much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know about that. I think she just did like four or five farts, but it was enough for him to be like, Yeah, I'm not really interested in sex. At least that's what we're led to believe but even that seems crazy to me unless her stomach is really fucked up you know what i mean four or five seems crazy that's a monday night clues <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i live the chipotle lifestyle oh that's true and she was eating uh beans she said and creamy caesar so you know at any rate i'm just saying i i know that it was like a producer kind of led thing that maybe was based on her farting once or twice or something like that but like did yeah. like did ashley i and jared know that they were going to do a casting card about it no yeah i don't think so either and then we basically are set up with like this is how their whole story is going to go they're trying to have sex in paradise and it's not happening because they're old and farting and whatever so portion three begins same night <laughs> the players all congregate Still lamenting the loss of Teddy and wondering about the Clancy, Bonsall, Shanae, Genevieve two-on-two. Justin and Logan are waiting to see what happens when they come back. And it's Justin's birthday. So we get another birthday event happening here. We get flashback clips to the date that we saw last week as they all walk through and they all regale the other players with tales of the epicness of their taco-eating contest on this two-on-two. Genevieve comes over to Justin immediately and pulls him. She ITMs feeling bad that it's his birthday, and she doesn't want to be in a love triangle. She doesn't want to hurt him. So we get this one-on-one conversation between Genevieve and Justin. She says she's shocked at how well the date went with Clancy. She saw another side of Clancy that was less bro-y than she thought, and he made her feel wanted and special, which she has not felt from Justin. We see Bonsall and Clancy in the distance. They're doing some open gameplay speech about where they should position themselves to watch this conversation unfold. Bonsall theorizes that because she pulled him, it means she's letting him down easy. Beautiful open gameplay. The the This is almost poetry what Bonsall is saying in this moment because he's just dancing mm -hmm. around it. This is a very for the wrong reasons conversation and he's playing it like it ain't. It's the tone shift that he's able to do in that he can have open gameplay speech in a way that I've never really seen another player be able to do. And no one questions it. He can have catchphrases that he repeats over and over again. When people have yeah. been villainized for hashtags before, like he is able to walk that line so well. He is such a strong player. I know. And I think he's like an underrated player, to be honest, for a variety of reasons, attaching himself to Clancy in that way. And elevating Clancy. I don't think Clancy is Clancy without a bonsall. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Clancy... Wait. Oh, I thought you were... Wait, sorry. I don't know what you mean. Because to me, bonsall seems very much like the sidekick. And I honestly think that maybe having James there is a reason that people aren't elevating Clancy. Like, maybe... Maybe he would be having a more 4TRR game if he wasn't always doing these bro things. Okay. Bonsall and Clancy are something no one else is. They are a team. They have mm -hmm. two players working against <laughs> everyone else. That alone is a massive advantage. I think there's some other teams. Let's be real. But not like this. They came in together. Literally, we're given a two-on-two -two date. 
There's nobody else like that. And I think that's, right. you can't have a two-on-two, obviously, without your bonsaw or your Clancy, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. You got to have that. And I think they just play it brilliantly. They are one of the greatest teams to ever play the game. I would put them up there with like Ferguson twins. Absolutely. But I do think it is the power of Clancy that is that is driving it. Yeah, there's got to be a star. But like it could be, okay, but Bonsall could be anyone. That's what I kind of feel like. Oh my fucking God. Bonsall has an entire leg tattooed. That ain't anyone. We never see it. We never see it. We've seen it a couple of times. We've seen it a few times. I've seen it posted on the internet. They don't focus on it on the show. They don't focus on Bonsall being like main character energy. He seems to like bounce around and... I'm just saying he he's good for Clancy. I love seeing them work together and I love this okay. little conversation they had. That's all I'm saying. Okay. The dance sequence, I, I see what you're saying <laughs> when they were dancing in the pool. That yeah. was one of my favorite moments of the season. They had a choreographed fucking dance. They came into Paradise with a choreographed team dance. I saw someone tweet that it looked... <laughs> Aaron Clancy looked like their dog when it was about to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... So funny. They're both superstar players in my mind. So Genevieve is telling Justin she hasn't felt special or wanted from him. She's like, this is the the reason she's going to give for her pivot. And she's like, for instance, this morning we sat near each other and kissed once. And Justin Mm. is like, we're counting kisses now? I was like, what is wrong with counting kisses? That is a perfectly normal thing to do. <laughs> I do it every Monday and Tuesday night. Count them right up. Yeah, I I thought the exact same thing uh, when she said that. And But then it was also like, you're the one who just said you only kissed me once. You, like she literally just counted kisses and then got mad at him when he insinuated that that's what they were doing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh Genevieve is like, I'm an affectionate person. And Justin's like, what? Three kisses makes you feel more wanted. Listen to yourself. I want to get back to how we were night one. And we see this play. We're cutting back to Aaron. He is stealing the spotlight from this conversation by bouncing off of Bonsall. You're right. I don't know. Maybe you're convincing me. And he says she's going through (laughs) some emotional mayhem right now. An empathetic king. Yeah. He's not upset because she's talking to another guy. It's because, like, look how hard this is for her. And then Justin does our 500th birthday play of this Bachelor in Paradise season and says, you can give me a hug on my birthday. Genevieve gives him a hug. Happy B-Day. She says, I need time. I'm classifying that as an options open. Genevieve to Justin. Yeah. And Bonsall brings up Thomas and Tammy, big body trash kid, while Clancy's already going through it. And we see this PTSD flashback of Tammy kissing Thomas, a villain edit for Tammy, even when she's been off sand for years. And that's what I'm saying. You don't think Bonsall's a good player? That motherfucker conjured footage from last season into the document. That's In my mind, that's very premeditated. We're going to sit here and talk Mm. about how it's the exact same. I don't know if a producer told them to do it or not. Yeah. He's like, bro, remember remember your gameplay from last season? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Isn't this just like that? Yeah. This is where you fumbled the ball last year, dude. 
Justin then elevates his birthday play here and says, are you not going to kiss me on my birthday? Now, this was, in my opinion, a little creepy, but also a strong play. He got the kiss (laughs) and he fucking knew that he was doing it right in front of Clancy. He knew that this was going to get to him. If he's a student of the game at all, he knows what happened to Clancy right in that same spot. Same day bed, same fucking rock or whatever they're sitting on. He's Yeah, he's his their direct competition. So he's trying to get Clancy to lose his shit. Mm-hmm. And we see Aaron Clancy does a reverse voluntary nudity play. He starts buttoning up his shirt. Yeah. I mean, always be doing something, something to show that you're having emotional reactions, whether it's taking off your clothes, putting on your clothes. I would say you should wear a uh, cloak that you can kind of like whip over your face like Dracula as you get up to walk away. Or like Damon Targaryen. <laughs> oh my God. His hoodie that he wears for committing crimes. You can like put the hoodie up and march off into the shadows. I think a, a hoodie is a great, great character play, but I bet they wouldn't let you, I bet they don't let you wear any form of hat. They don't even let him wear sunglasses. Oh my God, that's true. Unlike Love Island. But after this play, Genevieve then still doesn't know what she's going to do. But Clancy and Bonsall are walking away. They've seen enough in Genevieve ITMs that she didn't want to kiss him because she knew it was wrong, but she did it anyway. And she tear plays here and says she wants to apologize to Clancy. We're now in portion four, still that night. Clancy is showering with Bonsall. Genevieve comes in to find Bonsall in his towel. This dynamic duo fucking take showers together. You're telling me that he's not an important part of the Aaron Clancy game? They're literally taking a fucking shower together. I forgot about the body wash scene. I retract everything that I have said so far in this episode about Bonsall not being an integral part of the Aaron Clancy brand. Integral. He's like, give me my, my body wash that smells good. I forgot about the body wash, the one that smells good. Bonsall knows which body wash he's talking about. I know. I know. That's my special body wash. He knows that. No one else in Aaron Clancy's life knows what his special body wash is. James Bonsall knows. It's beautiful. I agree with you. But I think, I, I mean, yeah, it's a great team. Speed <laughs> retract. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Genevieve, then ITM surprise at how much she likes Clancy. Bonsall gives Clancy his special body wash. And Genevieve ITMs that kissing Justin was just wrong in so many ways. We get tear play. Clancy gets all primped up as, as she's waiting on the steps uh, right outside this little shower area. He emerges clean, smelling good, has the confidence. Probably got a good pep talk from Bonsall in there. Then we get this one-on-one time with Clancy and Parisi. She apologizes to him right out of the gate. Clancy says his only issue is if this was something that could potentially hurt him in that way, why would she do it? Why would she have have done this kiss? He says he doesn't want to waste any time. His feelings are a little bit hurt, and it caught him off guard. He was waiting up to say goodnight to her and didn't want to see that, so that's why he walked off. Great victim play here. By the way, you're skipping over a small, but I feel very important part of this convo, which is Genevieve explains the situation and explains the kiss lead-in line, I'm, are you not going to kiss me on my birthday? She's like, I should have said no. And he's like, that's a weird ass thing to say. It sounds manipulative. And Genevieve goes, is it a tactic? I'm like, yes. Birthday play is a huge part of Bachelor in Paradise. If you have done any of your preseason research. Yeah, totally. Cakes going fires. Laced it at night one, which she <laughs> pretended it was her birthday. It's, it's always a good thing to do. 
gets you that alone time, gets you that screen time, yeah. gets you that food play. Absolutely. I, I think you should lie about it like Lace did if, if it isn't your actual birthday. But try to have a birthday that's in the months of Paradise Shooting. And then uh, Clancy calls this a tactic. He literally says that sounds like a tactic to me. This is open gameplay speech. Well, I thought Genevieve says, is it a tactic? Oh, maybe she said it. I don't know. I thought he was calling it that. but I don't know which one. He says it sounds manipulative. I think she says, is it a tactic? Interesting. But either way, this part of it is very open gameplay speak. And Parisi produces some tears here. And then Clancy says he doesn't want her to be stressed out about this. He's there for her. So immediately he plays victim. And then now I'm going to console you. It, this shit was one of the most beautiful plays I've ever fucking seen. He ends with a little joke about the birthday. So he's calling back that. Even that he's over, whatever. He turns the whole thing around here. She is now happy. She is smiling, telling him she didn't expect a bro with big muscles to be so sweet. Then he comes in and says, I got a lot of things going for me. He doesn't fucking miss a beat. Perfectly played. This entire conversation was my... Play, 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 play of the game. It was unreal. <laughs> then he fucking kisses her. He gets a kiss out of this with hero music swelling behind it. This is a fucking paradise superstar. And the fact that he has a teammate makes him even more threatening. It's unreal what he is able to do. Aaron Clancy taking his sweet time to be smelling good for this <laughs> conversation in which he tells Genevieve, I really like you, love level one. We have mad, mad chemistry. Mad, mad chemistry, that's a love level one. I want you to go to bed worry-free. Have a better day tomorrow. It's not Justin's birthday, so there's no risk. Hilarious joke, laughed out loud. And that's why this night play STCO for Genevieve after she just kissed his rival was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Guys don't have the power this week. It's a tough spot to be in. Some people seem like they're rose chasing. And Aaron Clancy, 4TRR, funny as hell. I loved this scene. Well, he did a very important, I think, like tonal dynamic that started out sad and hurt. I can't believe you did this to me. Not mad ever, not accusing her of anything. Always on the, he was like retreating emotionally from the conversation. Man, I just, mm -hmm. how could you do this to me if, if you didn't want to hurt me? Like, I don't understand. You knew it would. And then he changes that ultimately to like, ah, you know what? Look, you're a good person. This is a weird situation. That guy played a tactic on you. I'm okay with it. Like, as long as we're here for each other, everything's fine. It was. Yeah, drops that little <laughs> bomb on God. Dustin. So beautifully done. So beautifully done. Congratulations, Aaron Clancy. One of the finest plays I think that we're going to see all season. I think we've just witnessed yeah. like a true highlight of this season. Portion five begins the next morning. Ashley and Jared are still there. They say they don't <laughs> miss paradise at all. They say the players should relax. But then Ashley, I reminds Jared that when they were the, in the game, it was also uh, everyone riddled with anxiety and Ashley ITMs that her farting canceled the romance in the BBR. She says there was more Toot toot in the BBR than BB. Pretty good one. That's what I'm saying. Like, Ashley I. Kennedy wouldn't say that joke. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it's horrible. I think their whole thing is scripted. They're like, this is going to be the... And that's like a part of it too, I think. The producers aren't really letting them be them. You know? They're, they're, yeah. They've got a stranglehold on this thing. They're trying to jam a storyline in. Yeah. I mean, I think they have a stranglehold on all these storylines. I do too. Why we're not getting a pit dug like Lace. Yeah. Or what Clancy just did that often. Yeah. And then we see Ashley ITMing that her farting cancel the romance. And she says the toot toot line. And then we see (laughs) they are sitting (laughs) on the beach. And Jared says, so nice to sit back and enjoy the theatrics. The actors are right here in front of us. It's like live theater (laughs) as they watch all the fucking players. Unreal. 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 The TV show. And they put it in the document. They're fucking with the audience here. They're saying, we're telling you exactly what this is. Ha, ha, ha. That is what it is. Most of what we're watching in BIP 8 is 100% scripted. I think down to like lines of dialogue. It certainly feels that way. And it certainly feels like the only couples that are really connecting. I don't know. I don't trust anyone. I feel like they've all talked before and... Definitely, that that's true. But I mean, even the producers, I think, have scripted like who the couples will be, how they will be formed, what conversations you have to have, that kind of shit. In a lot of cases, that's what's happening. Every line Michael yeah. Olio says, I think, is off a of script, um, especially his ITMs. They're just giving him narration duty, basically, at this point. Him and Casey, which Casey is a strange choice for a colorful narrator. He's kind of like a beige narrator. Yes, but before we get to them, the Aya Kanetis get a colorful narrator role here to tell us about the couples uh, who has been on dates with each other, what the status is. They remind us that the rose ceremony is coming up soon, and it's a game of time, and they're gifted 30 seconds of screen time to do this bad Yoda joke. Finally, we're back with the players. Parisi goes straight to Clancy <laughs> in front of Justin as they all sit there eating breakfast. We get a kiss. Clancy says he started eating without her because she was the entree. This is an implied BB, I think. And he's doing it specifically to fucking get in Justin's head. I think it was a kiss lead in line because then he goes and kisses her neck like he's eating her like a vampire. Oh. And when he does this, we see Justin Glaze in this gorgeous shot. Justin is in the background between them and he rolls his eyes so high up into his head. Instant gif. And this was my... Face play of the game. We see Clancy kissing Parisi's neck and face. The affection overload is happening right in front of our eyes and right in front of the eyes of one Justin Glaze. He is just behind them, eating his breakfast alone, forced to watch the superior affection game, and he is shooting daggers at Parisi and Clancy. And this full mouth chewing, eye roll, dagger shooting glance from Justin Glaze while he watched Aaron Clancy perform a superior affection game to his own was my face play of the game. This shit goes down in history. That was my clues award of the episode. <laughs> for best award that you've given all night. Sorry. It goes out of history. 
it's, it's one of the greatest face plays of all time. It's up there with Olivia Caridi's yeah. open mouth scream. Um, mm-hmm. It's up there with a bunch of Ashley Iaconetti crying. It's up there with some Colonel Olympio's fucking face play. It was just the shot too. Like every once in a while, they do something on this show. The mm-hmm. fucking cameraman gets it right. They know where to position themselves. The shot they got, it's his fucking head in between their bodies in the foreground. It's so beautifully done. And I do believe it's genuine. I think his emotional reaction to this is real. I think he really is kind of like, whatever, fuck this. You know, he's pissed. You don't think they told him to sit there? No. Oh, fuck. Like line up that shot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I wonder how the shot was lined up so well. You're right. You're right. They did. They did. I take a little bit of that back. Nonetheless, the face play was fantastic. It was. He's he's just got it. And he's able to do those which are redeeming, you know, that he's being completely outplayed by Aaron Clancy here. Uh, We see Genevieve and Justin talk. Justin says, I still care about you. Love level one. And he says, I didn't even want to kiss Victoria Fuller. And you're kissing Aaron right in front of me. And Genevieve hits this not feeling wanted or special thing. I get back from the date. That's when you put your hand on my leg. And there's something in my head that you're waiting for Sally. And we cut to the Sally suitcase has now been placed on a donut floaty in the water. They are (laughs) torturing this suitcase hitting it for the thousandth time. Yeah, that's what I was talking about in the beginning. We're like, we get it. There's that suitcase. I'm, I know. It's in there still. That suitcase is there. I know. Oh, you made a suitcase and put Sally's name on it, and it's still there? Okay. Just film Lace doing anything instead of the suitcase. Just show me a fucking title card that's like a black title card with the white text, like the Wells thing that just says Sally's suitcase. Flash it up for one second, and I'll know you meant to put the joke there, and we're okay. It'll have the same effect on me. Oh, my God. Uh, And here, Genevieve dumps Justin and says, sorry, I have high high expectations that you're not able to meet. And he says, it's so disrespectful. I'm good. Tense. And Genevieve all eggs, one basket. Aaron Clancy. She says, no more dates for me. And they kiss. I mean, he did it. Clancy walked into this place and just took a fucking rose right out from Justin Glaze. I think he had that. If Justin Glaze would have done a little bit more, it would have been harder for her to jump to Clancy, I think. Believably. You know what I mean? Her story, her narrative was like, you're not showing me enough affection. He makes me feel wanted because he's hitting my affection level. That's a uh, that's nuanced because he even gets into like I kissed you. She's like, yeah, once. Watch what we're gonna do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And they made sure that that motherfucker came out there, Clancy, and just like hundred kisses. Let me put my arm around you. Like we're inseparable. Mm-hmm. They really like hit hard that he's doing the right thing. You did the wrong thing. Um, at any rate. He gets dismissed here, and Clancy is the victor of this little battle. And then we see Clancy walking away with Parisi hand-in-hand. We see Shanae play an STCO for Genevieve in this situation. And Shanae opens up to her, says, I'm very annoyed with Logan. I want a reassurance. Show me you want me. That's what James provides me. It's sexy and a turn-on. Again, this pattern that the guys who had the power weren't giving the love and affection the newcomers who need the roses are. 
And Shanae says she wants to pursue James. And ITMs that he said he was all in uh, after one afternoon. He had all eggs, one basket. And you're telling me he ain't a good player? I don't think he's going to win this. I don't. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think he is either, but. I'm just trying to build my case. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, time will tell. Maybe he'll be able to pull it out. Uh, But we see Shanae pull Logan, and Shanae's like, what's going on? There's zero effort. And Logan's like, he spins it. And he's like, well, do you want to tell me about your date? And she's like, obviously, I like you. I'm showing you, but you're not giving me that in return. So she's love level wanting him with a challenge. And... He's like, well, I don't know how your date went. And she's like, it was a fun time, but we're going in circles. This is supposed to be a two-way street. I don't want to talk anymore. And she storms off, but black boxed. And Johnny says to Logan, you clearly you like her. And Logan says that that was really upsetting. And then portion six begins. We got Olio getting the little colorful narrator here. He's ITMing about all the different couples. And now these bets are off and... Uh, they're keeping him in the edit here, basically, until he gets to propose to whoever they've they've written that he will marry. Justin is okay, knowing that Parisi is not for him. Parisi and Clancy get some kisses, and Justin tells Andrew and Rodney, the rose will make you do crazy things. And then a date card comes in with Jill. Logan ITM's wanting to get the date card to uh, go with Shanae so he can rekindle their romance. Instead, the DC is for Ashley and Jared. And I just wrote this note. What am I watching? Is this a different TV show? And it says it's time to go back where it all began. I wrote, why are we watching them jet ski? This is worse than the farts. Yes, there was. So let's just break this down. They leave for their date and it's, you know, they get these jet skis. We get flashback footage to their dune buggy date in their first season when they met. And they're telling each other how hot they are. Jared takes off his shirt. We get a dad bod joke. And, uh, I did kind of like some portions of this date. The jet skiing around wasn't that great. The peeing in the ocean was like, she's just reprising something she did in the old show. I don't know if she actually was peeing or not. I wrote, this is unwatchable. I feel so bad for them. So that's probably something I was thinking at the time. They have a (laughs) uh, beach picnic. And I did like this little picnic moment, to be honest. This is like when it gets sincere. Because this shit is real. Like, they do have a kid. This is a real couple that came out of the game. And it's like, don't don't make her fucking piss in the sand. This is royalty. And you're making her piss in the sand and, like, do bean farts and shit. You have to elevate these fucking players. They are pillars yeah. of this game. Ashley I. Kennedy built... Like, you don't have a fucking paradise if she's not on it in her seasons. You know? These players really not... There's very few Bachelor kids at all. They need yeah. to they need to elevate all of those couples. But they get this idea that it's like, no, they're the funny, goofy ones. And she's the one who cried all the time. And it's like, no, you're not getting it. This shit is like historic. The, the show is big enough now that it is a fucking sport, that the fandom of it treats it like that. I'm living fucking proof. You're living fucking mm-hmm. proof. There is literally an, an industry unto itself around this game. That's right. It's like you got to start taking it a little more seriously now. Especially with somebody like Ashley A. Kennedy, I feel like. At any rate, I did like this moment. The when they're on the beach and they're crying about their kid and like how much they still love each other and shit. I loved it. I don't even care about like most emotions that human beings have, but I will 
I will tell you. You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) No, but sincerely, I watched this and I was like, fuck yeah. I that moment seemed very real to me. And I know that it is for them too, because as dumb as this fucking show is and whatever, that is where they met. They're like literally in the same spot and so much has happened to them since and because of, and it was just great to see that like they, you can actually tell that they truly love each other. I know I make memes that make fun of him and shit every once in a while, but you can tell that they really are in like a committed fucking relationship and that this is a meaningful moment Mm -hmm. to these two people in their lives who met because of this game, who met playing this game, one of them playing it incredibly well. Highbon was pretty good too. No Aya Kennedy, but he was pretty good. <laughs> no, it was a beautiful moment. I think maybe I would have preferred it in a vlog format. <laughs> a YouTube about their story, like that that one where they announced their how it all happened. I watched mm-hmm. that video and it was long. Uh they and it was sweet. They're crying over Dawson. And I wonder if they named it after Dawson Leary, another famous virgin. <laughs> I think they named him after Dawson's Creek. That's that's Dawson Leary. Oh. Oh, my God. You just tried to school me on Dawson's Creek, you idiot. I, <laughs> I love that show. I watched the first season of it, I think, like as it aired. I thought his last name was Creek. It's it's really good. It's really good. I highly recommend to anyone. We see Casey and Alio do the this old man dynamic duo where they're narrating the young people playing football and they hope that the young players get injured and die so that they can be alone with all the women on the beach. Good strategy. Then we get some one-on-one time <laughs> with Sierra and Victoria Fuller. They discuss getting engaged. Sierra doesn't want to get engaged without Olio's kid being a part of it. We get this one-on-one time with Sierra and Michael. It seems like they're getting along. She ITMs that she feels safe with him. And she tells him, uh, we've done open options and we know we want each other. Fantastic gameplay speech here. No, they all eggs. They all eggs. Right. But she says, I kept my options open and I don't want to do that anymore. I see. And she ITMs that she's going to be like that crazy mom. And we watch them canoodling. And we get that they are set up for engagement. Clancy then walks in with a date card. Brandon, are you ready to fall in love again? So they're building up the solid relationships here with this. He asks Serene. She accepts. Get a kiss. We see Olio at the bar with Wells. He is forced to do some acting here. He's not the best actor. He says uh, there's some confusion with Sierra. She's awesome, but now things are getting serious. And she's creating scenarios where she's saying she'd be a good stepmom. And he thinks she'd be great. But he doesn't know uh, what it's like to love someone again. And that part frightens him. So he's now laying the seeds here. And they got him to basically act the scene with Wells so that they could put an intro on this story, which this is what that was. And then he ITMs that she was a huge (laughs) surprise to him and uh, how quickly they bonded, done a deep dive. He's scared of the quick acceleration. So that's another thing to throw on the fire. It's moving too fast. And he still got Wells up from his past grief. Wells then offers him advice. In Sierra's case, the emotional connection could progress further than uh, things are really going for him. Olio ITMs that he needs to figure this out real soon. Wells tells him to keep his heart open because miracles happen here. Brandon Marias, Corinne Olympios, Piper James, etc., etc. Miracles do not happen here. Highly orchestrated beneficial outcomes happen here if producers deem that to be what will happen. 
But if not, <laughs> you're going to get your fucking life torn up. Then we get another casting card. Is your neighbor trying to set you up with their son? We can do better. We don't have any sons in our game. Portion eight. Brandon emerges ready for his date in a nice shirt. Serene shows up in a dress. He's overwhelmed by her beauty. We get a kiss. The other players watch them. He produces tears yeah. at seeing Serene. If Aaron Clancy hadn't played so well, I would have given this my play of the game. It was very effective, obviously, and it's a hard play to fucking pull off. Mm-hmm. Tear play at just seeing another fucking person who you're about to go on a date with. It's not even like a sad thing where it's like you're reminded of some past trauma. You never have had that? Nope. I never have. Not yet. What about Squirrelius? <laughs> I cried over Squirrelius when she died. R.I.P. Squirrelius, <laughs> wherever you are. R.I.P. We love you. Yeah. You may still be alive. We don't know for sure. She lives on through every generation of squirrels in this neighborhood. But I loved this tear play. It's such a... Con- like. Because Brandon, he went all in on Michelle Young. I think a lot of the lines he is saying in this episode were probably pretty similar ITMs oh, yeah. to that season. But producing tears is such a four TRR punch on this. And like it totally yeah. works on. Well, I don't know if it totally works, but we get these praising the process yeah. lines in ITMs from Britt and Jill. Seeing that makes me trust this process. And Jill's like, it's a reminder of what paradise could be. They're a beacon of hope. Beacon of hope indeed. I love his 4TRR puppy dog play. It's it's just highly effective because it's very hard to yeah. dismiss that. It's very hard for a lead to ever find a reason to get rid of you or for somebody to break up with you without, without looking like an asshole. You know, it it really makes the reasoning behind an elimination have to be airtight or you're a villain, especially in paradise because there's no lead. Not that they don't make leads villains. Obviously, they love doing that too. But in Paradise, like anybody can take that turn and it's no skin off their back. Don't you think that if someone wanted to, they could break up with him and be like, it's like too much too soon for me. I need to go much slower. We're not on the same page. Yeah, that's the only out you have. And and you have to get out quickly with that. Because if you go too deep into it, why'd you fucking string me along? That's like, that's mm-hmm. a hard play. I'm telling you, the the... 40 or our puppy dog play is it's a hard one to get around. Game of Roses is sponsored by Better Help. Clues. Uh we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of That beautiful mind clues. Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues. 
Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I- N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. If you initiate it and you enact it for the entire season, hard one to get around. Unless the producers don't want you there. And then they just find some reason to to remove you. That's really the most important thing. But they walk through this water to a table, a dinner table that's like in the middle of the pool And Brennan said if she had gone on a date, it would have sucked not napping with her and eating mango ice cream. And he does like all of these four TRR things. I don't know what I'd do without you. I'm crazy about you. Love level ones. He's building this up. Serene says, you make me feel like I'm deserving of all the things I want. And he says, when I saw you, I knew I didn't want to be with anyone else. I'm falling in love with you. And I'm so happy that I am. Love level three. Serene, I'm definitely falling in love with you to love level three, our our beacon of hope. Yeah. And she says she's never felt this special in her life. We get some kissing. They get in a pool with some kissing and Serene ITMs. This could be the real deal. How he looked at her when she was walking toward him. She's never seen that look in someone's eyes before. She produces tears. And we get a final kiss of this portion. 
And then they, of course, are told to strip down naked and rub oil on one another while they howl at a full moon. Oh, no, that wasn't this date. That was later <laughs> in the episode. This is what's called a prestige date. This is on a dinner table yes. with beautiful lighting and they're floating in the water. Uh, you only see this for serious couples that they have scripted from the beginning. Yeah, I just I do want to see an intercut of his play this season with his play on Michelle's season. It feels so familiar. Yeah, you can like literally do a frame frame over frame with him saying the exact same shit. Well, we don't see these moments of them eating the mango ice cream or whatever. Yeah. We've only seen them like meeting and just like staring at each other and then him crying at seeing her in a dress. We haven't really seen moments of them being a real couple. I don't. I'm not saying I think that they are not a real couple, but we're just seeing they're the four TRR beacon of hope in the document. Yeah. And then portion nine begins. It is night. Sierra wants a shot of the bar. Sierra and Olio kiss. Olio ITMs as well as being up still because of a traumatic past. He's dealing with the grief element in his life. He pushes people away still. And then we get this little mini date that Sierra has set up for Olio, aka the producers have helped her set up. She takes him to a day bed that has a telescope. And it's pointed directly at something that she wants to show him. We get this shot of some stars through a telescope lens that they keep flashing up that is like, okay, I guess. And then she tells him <laughs> that it's special because she knows he doesn't want to forget his past. And the three stars he saw in the telescope represent his family, him, his wife, his son. She pulls out a certificate and says, I bought Laura and James and you your own constellation. It's registered, so it's official. I mean, obviously, this is the producers. I don't. The producers have done this. You don't have internet <laughs> How access. How could you have done this? Yes, <laughs> you can't. Um, so, okay, this is an interesting thing. Or you did it preseason, which is yeah. an interesting bet on yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I felt so certain that I was going to hit it off with you. I bought a constellation for you and your family. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. I feel like Pizza Printer would have done something like that. <laughs> this is actually a pretty good experimental strategy. Buy like either this or one of those things where you can buy like a foot of land in Scotland or whatever and be like a lord or a lady. Buy some of that shit for somebody. Or sponsor baby penguin. Yeah. Yeah. Some shit like that. Olio calls her the most thoughtful person he's ever come across. And he tells her he feeds off their good time. He confesses to her that he's been taking time to enjoy where they are. But at the same time, dun, 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 some things take time, even though they're moving quickly. He says he thinks there's something missing with them. He doesn't mean to be guarded. Balancel fills in the other players about what the conversation's about. He's always watching the conversations and giving us narration. Brilliant fucking play. Yeah, he's kind of like the first AD on the sand. Shouting out to everyone. Because he's taking in that information so that Clancy can be off doing whatever he's doing. Then he comes back to Balancel and Balancel's like, here's what happened, dude. They said this. They said this. Da, 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 da. That's a fucking team. Oh I'm telling you. Back on the one-on-one time, Olio tells Sierra that he's using people he cares about to get what he needs. And he's hurting people in the, along the way. He doesn't want to hurt her. And the best thing is space from the romantic pressure, just to be friends. And he tries to drum up a tear here. Uh, we can give him the stat if you want. <laughs> didn't It didn't look real to me. The best thing about us is space that I want from you. <laughs> yeah. She kisses him on the cheek and he walks her. He walks her into the night and he's holding he walks off into the night and he's holding the star certificate sierra tells the other players that she's going to leave 
Uh, he wants to be friends and she doesn't want that. And she doesn't want him, doesn't want to see him dating other people. All the ITMs having no rule book for dealing with your grief, but he doesn't want this pain to overflow to someone else produces tears. So you should leave then, right? You should then leave paradise. There's like two different arguments going on here. It's like one. Yeah. She's going too fast and mm -hmm. she doesn't, he doesn't even say like, let's take, let's slow down or anything. So that. I don't know. I don't trust what we're being presented with here. <laughs> no, same. This is what I, this is my theory. I don't know who they originally scripted for Olio, but I don't think it was Sierra. I think that happened naturally. Ooh. And he was like, oh, fuck, I really like her. And they were like, oh, shit, we have to like make this work. And then he somewhere in the middle of it was like, fuck, I think it just, it moved too fast or something. I don't think this is it, guys. And so he tells the producers and they're like, oh, Jesus, how the fuck are we going to get around this? You're our grocery store. So it's going to be something about grief. It's got to be grief. <laughs> yeah. And so the producers are like, here's what you're going to tell her. You're still, you still have grief. You're not over it yet. And I don't know. I don't know if this is true, but it just something about this seems a little tweaked. You know what I mean? Why is he still there? If that argument is valid, know. how can you then stay there and start to date someone else immediately again? With less time. Exactly. It seems like there's someone is coming for him, maybe. Yes, I think so. And the, that part has been left out. Yes, I think so. I just can't see him not leaving here with someone. I cannot see it. Right. And they're they're giving him so much screen time. They gave him first male sand, like... Yeah. They're going to do everything they can to get a love story with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they could have just, I don't know, supported the Sierra relationship somehow. Like, been like, Sierra, you need to come off a little less strong or something. I agree, but they didn't do that. I thought she made the right move, though. At this Definitely. point, like, self-elimination in paradise, we always preach against it, but I don't know. It's getting to a point where it is like, you have to gauge other things. Um, cause staying in the game now doesn't necessarily mean the same Instagram numbers it meant. And even if it does, even if you are one of the players who can come out of the experience with a big influencer number, some still do, obviously, if you overstay your welcome, that might go up in flames. It might not matter. You might right. get Brendan Marias or something. They might turn you into a villain. It's better to be like, if I don't have a clear strategy, get the fuck out. Cause otherwise who the hell knows what's going to happen. I'm very curious to see what happens to Parisi by the end of this season. I don't know. I don't know what her final experience is going to be like. It may not be great. But Portion 10 begins. Oh, God. Same night. We see Jill Chin. Uh, she gets an ITM saying she's calling the police to report a murder of the vibe. Good colorful narrator work here. And we hear Clancy say the vibe of paradise is Lord of the Flies. Very nice. Romeo does some open gameplay speech about Sierra leaving, meaning one less rose for the guys. Some of the guys discuss who needs to find a rose. Casey says, is someone new coming to the beach? Competition is already pretty fierce. We need to rebalance the beach. Open gameplay speech. Casey gets an ITM expressing fear of the bloodbath and fear of Michael A being back on the market. Again, why is he there? Jared and Ashley walk down the staircase as Jared says, we're back and no one cares because we ain't single. This is correct. 
And we're back in the Aya Kennedy Boom Boom Room story. They sit at the bar with Wells and recap their date to him. The ITM not leaving paradise without having sex. It is a goal and it will be accomplished. Jared has to leave for some reason. And then Ashley, uh, he tells Ashley to stay at the bar. He's going to be right back. And she asks for coconut water. Wells says he only has booze there for people to drink. No other drinks. We cut to the Boom Boom Room as Jared is lighting candles, sprinkling rose petals. He's cleaning his ears. He uh, turns a picture of his infant son around. That baby is a bachelor baby. There's only a few of those. They can't be the mm-hmm. jokes of these things, I feel like, you know? We got to elevate this shit a little bit. Anyway. Mm, but we, in this Jared skit, we see that he's actually asleep. There's going to be no BB yet. We have to tune in next week. And in the tag, Shanae and Genevieve do a really excellent move in which they bury the hatchet of their rivalry and become a dynamic duo. Love this for them. Absolutely fantastic play. This is the exact right thing you must be doing. It perfectly done. And even when they put them on that two on two and they were like, maybe it'll be like the fucking two on one, they squash that real quick. They know what they're doing, at least in regard to their old rivalry. Perfectly played. Yeah. Now we begin episode five. The intro has uh oh, man. DLP asking as they show a another uh, shot of Sally's suitcase with a vibrator in it. DLP then goes, why is Sally's suitcase in paradise? Good fucking question, DLP. <laughs> and we see that uh, Jacob and Jill are going to get naked. Ashley and Jared are going to try to have some more BB. And you won't believe who comes to paradise. Sally's going to arrive. Jill catches. Jill calls Jacob a bitch. And it all starts right now. Jared and Ashley get a new intro video. She's now doing makeup on the beach as he's pushing a stroller through the sand with a little doll in it. And portion one begins. It is night. Five men will be going home. Olio says, Sierra left, but I plan on seeing this thing through. So we get confirmation here. He is fucking staying in the hopes of finding someone else that he doesn't want to hurt because he didn't want to hurt Sierra, but his grief, the walls. So I don't really know what his, his narrative at this point is a mess, in my opinion. Like there's just too many fucking holes in it. You can see the producer work all around it. It's just falling apart completely. There is no way I will believe anyone he leaves the speech with is a real relationship. No way. That's been destroyed at this point in the narrative. I have hope. When I saw he was first and I was so excited for him. And I hope, I feel like he must. Otherwise he wouldn't have been featured so much. I agree. Or they're, they want to be bachelor. I don't know. We see Sally finally enter. Oh, First, we have Johnny ITM that a lot of girls are self-eliminating. Of like, Open gameplay. And they're questioning the... I know, so many people use the word self-eliminate, didn't they? Yeah. Thought that was interesting. And they kind of question whether it's the quality of the guys. <laughs> that's what they blame it for. I guess that's why they include it in the document to say it's because of that. Yeah, it's not the producer's fault at all. These guys suck. And we finally see Sally enter paradise and we get this angel music, 25th sand. And she does get to talk to DLP. He says, you actually made it to paradise. You were supposed to be here on the first day. And he, she says that she had to work. And he says, you made the decision at the gate once three and three times didn't get on the plane. So we're getting these facts right off the bat, hitting that again. And notice they don't give her a date card. Like they don't discuss anyone else's flight stuff. 
Oh, they didn't give her a date card. They give her no date card and they make all these jokes about her fucking suitcase and how hard she is to fucking work with. That's the whole, her whole identity is fuck you. We hate you. Yeah, they gave Pizzapreneur a date card. Yeah, exactly. But this whole thing I thought was 100% scripted, but she enters sand on the less Genevieve ITM shock at seeing her. She tells Clancy, if he goes on a date with her, she will kill him. Olio ITMs that Justin is interested in Sally. Justin ITMs that he did talk to her at stagecoach. So everything Kira Mengistu said about it, I guess was true. Uh, he's contradicting himself here a little bit. The other guys tell Justin she could be his lifeline. He tells the guys that they kissed at stagecoach and haven't talked to her since. Sally tells Genevieve and Shanae that she missed the flights because of work. Genevieve then ITMs that this is a lie. Because of Wells's story that he told to us about what really happened, mm -hmm. which was that Sally Carson convinced a producer of the show to get in a the trunk of a car for four hours and wait on her there. Does Genevieve actually believe that? I don't know. I I can't imagine that she does. I think Genevieve is like definitely like in what the producers, anybody who was in the suitcase scene are like following orders from the producers, at least in that scene, if not in other shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the people that were picked for after the final rose to intro it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. When I saw Parisi there, I was like, oh, she's going to she's gonna be starring and Serena is going to get engaged. That's what I thought. Totally. I cannot agree more. And then Sally tells them that she wants kids and she doesn't want to waste her time here in paradise. Justin comes over, pulls Sally. Genevieve tells Shanae once again that she lies, lies, lies. Shanae ITMs that she is a liar, doesn't trust her. Genevieve thinks Justin is rose chasing. That's why he's talking to her. And Genevieve decides that Sally needs to go because she's taking up a spot for somebody that really wants to be there. So she is now getting, Genevieve Priestley is getting a little bit of the grocery store hatchet man role here where it's going to be like, you're going to be the person who runs this person off the beach. I wrote Genevieve grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disgruntled duo. <laughs> <laughs> but grocery stores as a verb could mean a lot of things. Yeah. Click a link, baby. <laughs> yeah. One-on-one -on -one time, Justin and Sally. Seems to go okay. And then Genevieve tells Sally, I got a few questions. We portion one. This whole thing to me was very weird. This, this entire scene, obviously. They are bringing in Sally. She's agitated. You can tell that from the very beginning. I don't know what they've been doing to her in the hotel room, but she has to go through this whole thing about how she showed up here late and she had to take care of things at work. I don't know how much of that is actually true, exaggerated. I have no fucking idea, but all of it seems off and you just feel this creeping dread for her. Like something yeah. is set up for you that is very bad. Don't go through that gate. That's the whole thing I was feeling during this whole thing. It's like, don't do it. Don't go down there. You don't owe them shit. Don't do it, Sally. They became a horror movie to some degree. Portion 2 begins. Still night. Genevieve straight up asks Sally if she's with her ex right before she came to paradise. She says yes because she works with him and she felt she needed to have a conversation with him out of respect for him before she came. And Genevieve and Genevieve kind of has this reaction. It's like, oh my God. Well, there it is. There's the smoking 4TWR gun. She talked to her fucking ex-husband before she came here. And her and Shanae kind of start in on her. Shanae ITMs a four wrong reasons attack. Sally says, okay, get the cameras ready. She kind of like walks off after that. And then she comes back and this whole like fucking array of cameras is behind her. And she marches back to Genevieve to explain herself. She knows this is going to be a fight. She tells Genevieve that if you can't understand that she has respect for her ex uh, and her gut feeling was not to come and not to trust anyone on the beach, she says there's a lot of other people there for the wrong reasons. She just doesn't say it. But they don't say it. Oh, but they don't say it. And she's like, I have dirt on other people, but I would never throw anyone else under the bus because 
they all have stuff they don't want to talk about. And this is exactly why she didn't want to get on three flights. And she storms off. That was... I was incredible that they put this in the document to me because I think that's the only true thing so far that I've heard in the whole show. I think that Lace Morris really dug that pit with her feet. I do think that's true, yeah. (laughs) I also... I don't know why they put it in the show because this is a person who's not going to be on the show. We have spent so much time on Sally, someone who's here. They joke the shortest amount of time in paradise ever, which I'm like, the shortest time is actually Alexis, Alexa Ray caves, right? She didn't even make it onto the beach. Technically. Yeah. She was just mentioned in name only. You get a bunch of tears from Sally Carson. And we see Justin steals Sally from Romeo and but Sally is crying. She says, I cannot be here. I'm too real for this shit. They mm-hmm. asked me about my ex. The one thing I wanted was to not have my ex's name on the show. So I again, I'm surprised this was in it also because I'm just hearing that her agreement with the producers was that they wouldn't talk about it. And yeah. that's what she's bombarded with immediately. 100%. They told her, yeah, of course. He's not on the show. The, there won't, we won't have you mention him at all. And then as soon as she walks in, they've told Genevieve Priestley to just fucking light her up. Immediately start talking about her ex-husband. Boom. Just right in the fucking face. Ex-fiance. Ex-fiance, sorry. Because yeah. they fucking hate her guts. And this is all just punishment. They are just punishing her. That's all it is. Yeah, the no date card thing, I didn't notice, but that is a good point. They also, we have James say you're on a dating show and seems like a loose cannon. It's like, okay, you're going on a dating show, so therefore all of your exes from the past can be brought up. I don't know. But I will say this, as nefarious as it is, this is what the game is now. And a little bit, Lucian protocol. This is what the game is now. Ever since they brought fucking yeah. Chase Rice to play a goddamn one-on-one for Victoria Fuller, who had a romantic interest in this man, you know, less than a year before going on Bachelor, that this is what they do now. Anything that's ever happened in your life. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you how do you even turn it around? Is the next Bachelor in Paradise season just everyone self-eliminates? Like, there's just no one. Immediately. I mean, as soon as you catch anybody even looking at you sideways, bye. <laughs> you just don't even, you just fucking walk out. Just start jogging down the road. It's over. Find your own way home. Don't sit in their fucking car. You find what the nearest fucking civilization you can find. You go in oh there. You ask for God. to call the police. <laughs> To get you out of a, a situation where you've been uh, abducted. You get in the closest boat you can see. <laughs> Basically. Sally's asking, someone get this mic off me. And someone says the extent that they went to get her here to have her blow up. And Sally self-eliminates. And we get a Genevieve ITM. Sally's suitcase lasted longer. Oh, so now it's a joke. And it's in the casting thing before the next portion. Want to date Sally's suitcase? What? What the fuck? So it went from no sons on our show to do you want to date an inanimate object? Now it's like surrealist. I don't even, I don't understand this one at all. (laughs) I don't know what, like, okay, I kind of get, you don't want to be set up with your neighbor's son. 
we hate Sally so much. You can now pay money to fuck her suitcase. Like, is that what they're going for? We put this thing in a bikini. Did it turn you on? Yeah, we know you're a fucking loser. Sally's suitcase will be better than the comic store, comic book store guy. Yeah. <laughs> Probably want to date Sally's suitcase because next season, we're not going to be able to convince one human being to come on our show. <laughs> we have other things you can also date. Also, you want to date a quesadilla? You want to date one of Ashley Eyes farts? Portion three begins. We open with Ashley and Jared talking about Sally. They ITM the vibe and paradox. Paradise is such a downer. Paradox. Paradox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> paradox a- vibes are off. <laughs> it is a downer. Ashley Eyes correct her. They see then Polly dragging Sally's suitcase across the sand. And Polly was almost my Jorge Moreno by standard of the week. But someone beat him out. Yeah. They make fun of her again when she's not there. The players all pour one out for her at the bar. Olio gets in a scripted ITM about Sally's suitcase being sad. And we see it's getting its own exit in a car. They strap it into uh, the back of a car. This is more than Sally got. Everyone around the bar talks about how great Justin is and how he deserves happiness. Olio ITMs that the guys who don't have a woman are scared about going home. Spencer, Glaze, and Rodney are forced into a guy chat about the lack of women. Where's Olio in this... Uh, guy chat. I don't know. But Rodney uses the term self-eliminating here again to describe what the women have done. Nice open gameplay speech. And there's a horribly Frankenbitten line by Justin played off face. We need more women bad. <laughs> I mean, I was like, are you fucking shitting me? Get an AI to smooth that thing out for you a little bit. Jesus fucking Christ. Peter Izzo then enters the beach with a date card. 26th Sand. He ITMs his catchphrase, Bum 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 giorno, and he calls himself the Pizza King. He greets everyone. Casey ITMs that he couldn't be more excited to not be excited. Uh, that basically describes all of Casey's gameplay. He expects fireworks with tempers <laughs> and competition. The date card. Peter, welcome to paradise. Grab a slice of love. He takes Victoria for a conversation. One-on-one time with Izzo and Fuller. He tells her she smells delicious as they walk off. And Izzo says he's a better version of the, the Peter she dated. That would have been Pilot Pete. Not accurate. He opens with his ownership of a pizza chain and calls himself the Pizzapreneur, which is what the name they gave him. Maybe he gave it to himself. I don't know. But that was in his Chiron during his season of Bachelorette. And then Victoria Fuller ITMs that they... Immediately start talking about pizza. And we're going to get a bunch of pizza shit here from uh, Izzo and from Casey for almost the rest of the entire episode. One on one time with Shanae and Izzo. Izzo shows off his jewelry to Shanae. She ITMs that he's pizzazzy and no one will want to date him. <laughs> he gets one on one time with Brittany and Izzo. She tells him she's an extrovert. He tells her about his pizza chain. She ITMs that he's kind of cute, has great eyes, and it was a good conversation. Izzo comes back to the group, asks Brittany on the date. She accepts. Casey ITM shock at the possibility of them leaving together. He says it's more likely it doesn't end well. Portion four begins. We have another scene between two producers, Wells and Jared, reminiscing. And Wells keeps asking if they have boom, boom roomed this the checking in on it, I had these like flashbacks to DLH when he keeps asking people if Colton's going to lose his virginity on that season. It's like, why do you keep asking this? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote down, it feels like I'm laying in the bottom of a grave and people are shoveling dirt on me again and again. But the dirt is the joke about Ashley Ayakinetti and Jared Highbond not having sex. 
Oh no. You feel like you're in a grave. With that joke, yeah. I feel like it's just fucking just do it already. Give me ten more fucking shovels full and call it a day. <laughs> that'll, that'll be all you need. Someone brings in a piece of pizza for Izzo and the other players. Izzo ITMs that he's the pizza king and he needs his pizza queen. Not a bad bit of gameplay speech or a bit of uh speech player. He and Brittany leave. Mm-hmm. She ITMs that this is her first one-on-one ever. And we see the one-on-one with Brittany and Izzo. It's an aquatic yacht date, which is actually kind of a prestige date. They walk around the docks. They get on this little yacht. He keeps talking about pizza. They drink some champagne. It was supposed to be for Alio and Sierra. I bet it probably <laughs> was. Uh, God, I bet it was. And then back on the beach, Casey starts in with his uh, anti-pizza play. He tells Romeo that he doesn't like Peter. He's a douchebag. But uh, he says, look at Shanae. If you have a good attitude, things can change. And Casey then starts ITMing that he's only here to promote the business. He tells Romeo that he's a bitch. And then Casey shits on his some more to Olio about all of his pizza puns. Back on the one-on-one, they jump into the ocean. We can't hear anything they're saying because they're in the water. These fucking producers didn't bring a boom out there. They brought no way to get fucking audio of them in the water. It's literally unintelligible. They were like, uh, oh, let's just write it anyway. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Like, doesn't match their mouths at all. It's all on the back of their heads. Supposedly, Peter says, what's your favorite thing about me? And she says, oh, you have nice eyes. And then he tells her that he got voted best eyes in high school and he was a yearbook for it. All I'm picturing is that fucking, what is that picture, A? Eh? And does it just say best eyes? Peter is a... I need to see the Peter Izzo Best Eyes yearbook photo. We can manifest it, I think. Uh, Brittany ITMs, he's an interesting character. She's never been on a date where it seems like they're more interested in themselves. And it's proved to her that it doesn't matter how nice the settings are. It matters who you're with. I know. Why didn't we see like Alio and Brittany go on a date or something? And then... He goes, you're cute, and he tries to kiss her. And the pizzapreneur reading no body language on this entire day and going for the kiss was my... Error, 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 error of the game. It's rough to watch this. Brittany is swerving left and right. She's already swerved. Who was it? Everyone. No recollection, but she's been swerving. The pizzapreneur, not reading the body language, making the exact wrong move at the exact wrong time, and getting rejected for a kiss was also my error, 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 error of the game. It is death. He is coming in with a little bit of a boisterous personality. He has his puns. He's got pizza going for him. And he's kind of, you know, look at my watch type guy. Let me brag to you about my jet ski. He's got a, a persona that is workable in paradise for something to last a little mm-hmm. while. This though, death. Because you know she's going to go back and she does and tell everybody else about it. And now you're tainted to the whole fucking dating pool. If it is not obvious that you can land the kiss, you cannot attempt the kiss because this is... No. It's utter failure. Just absolutely horrible. It's utter failure. And it's like, at this point, you're better off having a strong friendship and get and making her yes. laugh and stuff so that she can at least give you a friendship, Rose. Yes. Or or put in a good word for you with everyone else. Absolutely. He's, he's basically executed himself here. Portion 5 begins on the beach. 
Uh, Rapini does some pelvic thrusts as he's working out. He gets the colorful narrator ITM and he expresses his interest in Jill's Rose and her heart. Serene comes running down the beach with a date card. Jacob, it's a full moon tonight. Anything is possible. He asks Jill. She accepts. He carries her off in a sprinting huju position all the way down the beach. Very good display of athletic ability here. Night falls. The other players wonder where Brittany and Izzo are. They're still on the date. KCITM is more shit talking about Izzo's pizza fixation. Then they return. Izzo and Galvin split up and they uh, tell the guys and the women about the date. Galvin <laughs> tells them it didn't go well. The women split off on a daybed and Izzo is telling the guys that it did go pretty well. She divulges uh, that multiple times he couldn't read the room and we see Izzo telling the guys that they had a great opportunity for connection, but she wasn't returning his flirts. She then tells the woman that he's bragging about winning best eyes. <laughs> she... <laughs> <laughs> she tells him about the botched kiss. He tells the guys the same thing. So everybody on the beach now knows she rejected his kiss. And Brittany ITM's Peter's the exact opposite of what she wants in a person. Izzo then issues a 4TWR attack to Casey and Romeo, saying that he believes her to be a clout-chasing Instagram model, like the ones in Miami. And he blames her disinterest in him on uh, that he doesn't have enough followers, basically. I, I think this is a strange... Kiss of death in this game. Yeah. Unless you have, like, concrete proof of that, it's very hard to pull off that attack because you all have Instagram. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe, unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. 
She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Like, it's not... uh, You just can never really make the attack unless the show is behind it and there is some reason for it, like they did with Brennan Marais and Piper James. Right. After you've been swerved by her kiss is not the most believable game position to be in for this. Um. And EITM's more villain edit stuff. I did everything on point. I was charming, humble. At home, if we spent all day on a yacht, <laughs> we'd be hooking up by now. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. like, okay, well, nice. The show paid for the yacht. It's, yeah. it's not your boat. Yeah. His villain edit seems pretty secured at this point. I think they're going to just massacre him in the next episode or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Galvin tells the women that it was uh, not about anything except how much he was bragging. She didn't get along with him. Brandon tries to convince Andrew Spencer to give Galvin a shot. He ITMs that maybe he should. Wells tells him how to do it, how to go make out with her on the daybed. That's the basic strategy. He pulls Brittany, and we get this one-on-one time between Brittany Galvin and Andrew Spencer. They sit on that daybed. She tells him that she likes him and likes talking to him. That's a love level one. He says he thought she didn't like him. This is a challenge to her love level one. <laughs> he tells her that going through this, he wishes he would have talked uh, before so that they could skip the restart process. And she's like, dude, I've had to restart like eight times. Chill out. He tells her he's attra- <laughs> that uh, she's attracted to him, of course. She goes for the kiss. She is the one who initiates it. And they make out here. Love that. And we then get a shot at the end of this portion of Izzo in the shadows. They're trying to make it seem like he's watching this happen, but it's not. It's just B-roll of him from somewhere else. Portion six begins. The guys are talking about how crazy Rapini and Jill are. And then we go back to the one-on-one with Jacob and Jill. This is a forced nudity group date. Or sorry, one-on-one. They march into the jungle where they encounter a shaman named Miriam. She's going to guide them through a ceremony of the full moon. And Miriam tells them that the full moon fills people with creative and sexual energy and they must disrobe to absorb the moon's energy. This shaman who lives deep within the forest outside paradise and performs full moon crystal rituals with oils and nudity was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno bystander of the week you know how i have a soft spot for spirit guide and (laughs) this one was soft as ever miriam 
the ceremony leader of the full moon who howls throughout this entire date, making it (laughs) just have this magical sexual quality was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Oh, fuck. She was fucking howling with them. She was encouraging the howling. Look, I'm watching Yellow Jackets right now, and I'm like, what position in society, what does society have to be like for you to start howling? And it's Miriam's society. Yeah. I loved her. I, I really thought she knocked it out of the park. Um, when you're given these things, they've had some good fucking uh, bystanders. I will say that. Yeah. Whatever the show is doing for the past couple of yes. seasons, they've had some really good bystanders. The fucking dominatrix? Jesus Christ. Their bystanders have been getting better, I feel. Yeah. But here, we get Rapini and Jill. They have to use crystals. Then they go into tantric breathing meditations. Jacob gets a an ITM uh, discussing how much he breathes every day and how not breathing makes you understand the value of air like if you're underwater. I thought this was brilliant. Then they howl like wolves and back on the beach, Olio gives his approval. <laughs> he also says that the breathing oxygenates the blood and lowers inflation. Yeah, it lowers inflation. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. I guess we're just not breathing enough these days. But uh, we need that. We see them all howling, and then back on the beach, Olio gives his approval that, in quotes, Jill and Rapini deserve it, and it would be an awesome story. So that's the show basically speaking through their grocery store saying, this is okay, this is good, this is not anything bad, which leads me to believe they may come out of here together. Back on the one-on-one, Jacob gives Jill a massage, and they rub oil on each other. Then they're asked to remove all their clothing, or, or down to their underwear, and Rapini says... Oh, no, this is, sorry, they're already in their underwear. They're asked to remove all their clothing. Rapini says he'll do it, but he understands if she doesn't want to do it. She ITM's pushing her boundaries and growth. They emerge supposedly fully nude. We'll never actually know it's black boxed. And they're put back to back. And uh, Rapini's asked what his favorite part of her is. He says buttocks. Jill's favorite part is the arms. She says she's ready to fall in love. Uh, so is he. And then they turn face to face, look at each other, and she ITM's feeling safe with him. Then they're in tubs side by side, making out. This date is going very well. Can you imagine if they did this to Serene and Brandon? That's just what I kept thinking through the date. <laughs> like, No, I mean, there are always the prestige couples and then there is like, they'll allow a jokey couple to come in. Yeah. And I think for them, that's... No, like uh, Evan, he got yeah. the, the spirit guide date, the sweaty one. Evan and Carly. Portion seven begins with Brendan and Serene. And Brendan says, how's your birthday going? And Serene's like, you were the first to tell me. And they make out. And Brandon, of course, 14-year-old through and through says, ITMs that Serene had a bad birthday as a kid. And so he has created this birthday party scenario for her. And everybody sings happy birthday with cake. And he does the speech. I'm crazy about you. Happy birthday, Serene. And they do this food play with the cake. They are this beacon. This is how birthdays should be celebrated with the whole cast. That's what you do for your grocery store and serener. Totally agree. Olio gets an ITM here. A reminder that they have uh, each other and all these other couples are there. But he doesn't have anyone uh, to help out with his grief walls. But things can change quick in paradise. Then he gets the colorful narrator about the relationship statuses of all the other couples. And this leads to Shanae's love triangle. We see Shanae talking to James as she ITMs 
that he knows he's all in. But Logan hasn't told her that yet. Meanwhile, Logan is lighting candles and putting a champagne bottle at the bottom of a pool. He steals Shanae from Bonsall and he takes her on this mini date. They get in the pool. He puts on some goggles and he tells her he was a snorkel tour guide and he thinks there's treasure in the pool. So he dives down deep and he gets this champagne bottle and inside it is his lucky bead bracelet, which he says, why don't you hang on to this for a while? Maybe it'll help you uh, bring you some luck. And she tells him that when she's all in, uh, she's all, or when she's in, she's all in. She's been single for so long. And she says she's glad that he stepped it up a little bit. We get some kisses here. And she asks him if he thought of this on his own. He says, yeah, no help. That was interesting to me that they left this in mm-hmm. the document because the implication here is that most of these mini dates are produced by actual producers. And I believe him here that he made this up. I believe he made it up, but he, but he definitely told the camera crew to come follow him, right? Yeah, I think probably like I'm going to set something up over there, but I don't think yeah. like there were no components of this that required producer help. He just got a bottle mm-hmm. from Wells or whoever the bartender was at the time, fucking emptied it, put that beads in there, put it at the bottom of the thing and then just dove down and got it. Oh, I thought it was a great play. Yeah. And I think that there's like, yes, extremely original. And honestly, like all these other mini dates, like the Sierra one with the fucking star certificates. I bought you these stars and here's a fucking telescope. Mm-hmm. Where the hell are you getting a fucking telescope? You know, like she didn't bring a yeah. fucking telescope with her. This one, the sincerity of it, because it was so lo-fi was like, he did this. This is like mm-hmm. real gameplay. Now this is not scripted. I don't think certainly the producer's like, yeah, go do it. Like he had to get their permission, but he inserted this into the fucking game for sure. This is not something that they thought of. And I love to see that kind of shit. So we then get a pool. Huju Shanae ITM's confusion about her love triangle status. He tells her that he's all exiting for her. And she ITM's that she's still undecided. She doesn't want to get hurt. Tears. Portion eight. Night. Ashley I is eating a piece of pizza. As Jared says, they have to have sex tonight. He tells her that they just have to power through. And we're on this Ashley and Jared sex story again. I'm getting more dirt thrown on me in the bottom of my grave. (laughs) And on their last night, they must BB. So we see this montage of all the players making out. Ashley says the mood here is romantic. They make out on the beach. And then they walk away hand in hand as Jared ITMs how much the beach means to them. They go to the boom boom room. We see the sign get flipped to do not disturb. We see Ashley Iaconetti put a cloth over the camera in the boom boom room. And we're treated to a montage of sexual imagery. A flower blossoms. A nail is hammered into a board. Cream cheese is spread on a bangle, a bagel. Monkey toys are banging cymbals. There's a light bulb being screwed into a light socket, a lawn being mowed, a plate put in a dishwasher, a turtle fighting itself in the mirror, (laughs) filling out a 1040 tax form, water fountain squirting water, then a title card that says seven minutes, 57 seconds later. Now, before we get to what happens next, please can I have your thoughts on this montage? I think it's giving their sex a full edit, a la yes. Raven Gates Fantasy Suites orgasm montage. Um, I the dishes in the dishwasher part stuck with me the most out of any of them. I was just like, mm. what? What does that mean? For me, it was the turtle fighting itself in the mirror. I have no idea what that one means. A turtle fighting? There is a turtle like hunting itself. It's got its face like up against a mirror. It's like trying to bite itself in a mirror. Oh, it thinks the other turtle is an enemy. Yeah. I was astounded by this. I watched this probably 10 times. 
because I was like, let me make sure I'm seeing everything. Flower blossoming, I get it. Nail being hammered, okay. It's a little more graphic. Mm -hmm. Cream cheese on a bagel, pushing it into the comedic realm. Monkey toy banging the cymbals. Very weird. Light bulb being screwed in, okay. We're getting back on a little bit of a track here. Lawn being mowed, no, that's going a little crazy. Played in a dishwasher. <laughs> We're in MC Escher, fucking Salvador Dali, surreal planet now. I have no idea what that one is. <laughs> Turtle fighting itself in the mirror. What the fuck? Filling out a 1040 tax form. Now I'm just like, I literally have no idea. Then it's back to a water fountain squirting water. I get it. So they end it with one that is like overtly sexual, but there are three in there that are fucking bizarre. The plate, the turtle, and the filling out a tax form. And all I could think yeah. was, who is making this? Did producers write that? Or is this just they told an editor to make a funny sex montage and the editor was like, let me throw in some of the weirdest shit I can imagine. Here's what I got. Yeah. He's like, you know what? After... I was complicit in all of those Wells yeah. bits. Finally, I get to shine and really express my artistic self. If the editor of that montage is listening to this program, please come okay. on our show. We won't ask you any trade secrets. We won't ask you to break any NDAs or anything. We just want to talk about... And we'll change your voice to make Clues' make-a-wish come true. And we'll change your voice. <laughs> yes, please. We'll make your voice sound like this. But I want to ask you... A question mm -hmm. just about the construction of this. That's all. Just that montage. I'm so fucking curious. Anyway, after this title card, Jared is laying in a bed with his crotch black box and Ashley says, we're back, implying that they did BB. Then Jared says that they should do a timer with seven minutes and 57 seconds. So we see that that was his mm -hmm. idea and then they put it in. There's some respect there, but only if they can make fun of them. There's this like the self-deprecation that they kind of force on yeah. them as a couple that I think is like too much Definitely. sometimes. Here I felt it was. I want to picture these couples leave the beach and get married and they're just having like really hot sex all the time and they're really like into each other. I don't know. I just want to... I don't even care what the actuality is, obviously. It's a, it's a reality show. I just want the, the show <laughs> to like respect them, to understand like mm -hmm. what they actually mean to the game, what they mean to the show... This is why the show's still on. It's because of yeah. the players that have been in it. It's not because of the producers. In the beginning, yes, the producers had to find the format. What is this game? They found it. That is done now. You can tweak it here and there, and there can be little sprinkles on it that are slightly different. You can fuck around with it a little bit, but not what's happening now. It's getting away from the, the real pure game of it. And it's like, that's what we want to see. We want to see great fucking players like Ashley Iaconetti come through this fucking thing and do shit we couldn't imagine. They I'm are the loose. ones. Yes, exactly. It's the players who get to do the experimental crazy shit now. The game is the fucking game. You can't play baseball with like three baseballs at the same time. You know what I mean? But you can see Aaron Judge come in and hit 62 fucking home runs and be like, how the hell did that guy do that in this game? I was anyway. like, Clancy, not Judge. Sorry. <laughs> That's a baseball player. Anyway... Uh, we then see that he, ITM's marriage, is farting up a storm one night and having sex the next. Ashley then brushes her teeth in bed next to him as he sleeps. We then see Rapini and Jill returning to the beach with an upbeat score. They are forced to have the scripted conversation at the gates to hell about how much they like the date and want to keep dating. Okay, we get it. They had a good time. They kiss. They both ITM about how much they like each other and the rest of the players welcome them back. They tell the players about their date. Brittany gets the nothing to worry about ITM, which means there's obviously something mm -hmm. to worry about. And then Kira comes back. 
And she tells the player she's back because she has some unfinished business she wants to take care of. So can I talk to you, Jacob? This is a guided missile fired by the producer straight onto the beach. You're going to go in there and you're going to pull Jacob right now. And so she walks in and she does it. And then we get a casting card at the end of this. Are you interested in humidity, mosquito bites, and the opportunity to find everlasting love? Portion nine. It's still night. <laughs> we now are back with Kira. as She pulls Jacob, who tells the other players to hold his crystals, which I fucking loved. That was one of the funniest lines all night, I thought. Kira ITM, she's back to get Jacob. No player understands why she's back. Even though they're on this show that's controlled entirely by producers, they seem to not understand the producers kept her in the hotel for this exact moment. And so Brittany then ITMs that Kira has interrupted Jill so many times. She has no shame. She's kind of crazy. This is all producer script. One-on-one -on -one time between Kira and Jacob. She tells him uh, she was blindsided when he didn't give her his rose and she can't stop thinking about him. Jill is already melting down to the other players talking shit about Kira, how bizarre it is. Again, producers. One-on-one -on -one time with Kira and Jacob. She says she thought their connection was real and she, has, and, uh, she still has feelings for him. Jill watches on as she states how much she wants Kira to leave. And then Kira tells Jacob through tears that he felt like home to her. And that's why she was so devastated. She couldn't leave without seeing if there's a possibility for a second chance. This is all producer play, but she's doing it. And if you are a player doing what the producers tell you to do, I'm telling you, I think she could come back to paradise next year. I think hundred percent. She's gonna be able to like stay in this game for a while. If you do it and you you don't ever fucking complain about it or anything, do it with a smile, which she does, they're gonna keep using you because that's a rare fucking player that will like do it, that will take their shit. I am so impressed with what Kira has done on this season. She is maximizing screen time. She's one of the only people where I'm like, I don't know what she's gonna do. Yeah. And it's excellent. And then what she does here is just so good. Uh, she produces tears. And then we cut back to Jill. Are you going to pursue Jacob? You're a bitch. Uh, Jill goes to bed angry. Angry enough that her partner, Britt, goes and interrupts them and says, Jacob, what's going on? And then Jacob is forced to end this conversation. He says, we've established good chemistry. I adore that you put your full self out there, but I don't think there's a connection. It was too forced. Jill has pulled out a lot of really great traits out of me. <laughs> and then Jacob finds Jill. He's like, she wanted closure. She was dead set on me. They make out and they howl as Kira sadly walks down the beach. And then Romeo approaches. <laughs> He's like, what happened? Kira's like, I got what I wanted out of it. Clarity. I realized that this man doesn't understand me. Sometimes I feel I'm too much. I'm too fun and flirty and forward. And they hug. And Kira's like, you were always so nice to me. I really appreciate you. Produces tears. Romeo produces tears. And Kira's like, do you think you should have made a different decision with your rose? And Romeo's like, I think it would have been better for me if I had picked you. Couldn't agree more. Yep. And Kira says, I think so too. I wish we'd given it a real try. Wish we had a second chance. I think we'd make a really great couple. They make out. Kira 
escalates one more, says, would you leave paradise with me, Deanie baby style? And Romeo says, all right. And they kiss. After a very long pause, he says, all right, which might have been edited to be that way. I don't know. But the acting of this scene was strange to me. It was unbelievable to everyone involved, them included, I felt like. Like neither of them are saying true things to each other. I think, I don't know if the producer is, the producers told them both what to say or if they're just kind of making it up and being like, let's do, okay, here you go. Let's leave paradise together. And he's like, okay. I feel like they were like, let's just send Romeo at her. See what will happen. I don't really know what's going on here, but he says he's going to leave with her and uh, she ITMs that she found Romeo. He was there for her all along. They do get villain music as they fucking leave the beach. And Romeo gets this weird zoom in on his face as he looks scared as shit and not fully into this. And then uh, next Monday. That's a villain edit. (laughs) Oh, totally. Next Monday, we get tears. Shocking two night event, as it is every week this year. Uh, Starts with love. Make out. Shanae is wanted by two people. Bonds all has a fire. Uh, Chaos comes to paradise. Seven girls, 12 guys. Izzo goes wild. The beach blows up. There's an ambulance. Then the love island ripoff begins. New players are brought in. Parisi looks like the biggest victim of it. Who will remain faithful and who will fall for temptation? Olio tears. It's a big split. Ready to burn paradise down. The tag as well as doing a bad South Park impersonation of Mr. Hanky as he has Sally's suitcase as a little puppet on his hand. They just will not leave her alone. They made a, a puppet miniature version of the fake suitcase. Yes. I wrote it is horrifically unfunny at the end of this. Horrified. Um, also I, it is looking like they're going to do Casa Amor, but it's only the men who get to meet new women and not the women getting to meet new men. And I believe that is sexist. Oh my God. I think you're right. They did it one season on Love Island and they just trapped the women in a house while the guys met new people. And then they just decided if they wanted to recouple and I hated it and I can't believe they would do it this way. I mean, fuck, you're right. We only saw the women coming in. But there's a bunch of guys still coming in too, I think. I don't know how they get them in if they don't do that. Maybe. Maybe it will be both ways, but... I think it must be. I hope it is. I will be sad if it's not. Yeah. But that wraps it up. That's two episodes, as it's going to be every fucking week for the duration of Paradise. We saw some incredible play. We saw some incredibly strange things. I'll never forget that montage. The fucking turtle fighting itself in a mirror. I don't get it at all. (laughs) Anyways, who was your MVP? This is a tough one. I'm going to go with someone who we hadn't really seen much of this season, but who made it look like she was super excited to go out with Pizzapreneur (laughs) and then did this slow transition where she was still able to enjoy the yacht despite everything that had happened, but make it look like he was definitely 4TWR and not like she just wanted to go on a date. And that's why Brittany was my MMMMVP. Hmm. Interesting. Aaron Clancy was my M M M M M V P. 
with honorable mention and co-MVP going to James Bonsall. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, they just are a dynamic duo that seems unstoppable in this. I think as long... This is what I, I predict for them. I think Bonsall will stay as long as they can keep him in the narrative, which will be up to the fucker flea round where you have to pair up with somebody and go into a boom, 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 or leave, like take the next step in the relationship. I think Bonso won't make that cut, but as long as Aaron Clancy's there, he'll be there. They work so well together. And obviously Clancy is doing these immaculate plays like the one that he did with Parisi after the Justin Glaze conversation and make out on his birthday. Just phenomenal work. It, it's it's hard for me to give MVP to someone two days in a row. Clancy definitely would have been my runner up because that, that good night love level one was so strong, but I just, I liked that Brittany was able to kind of take back the narrative this week and get, get that screen time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought she played a, a fantastic game as well. I just think Bonsall is so fucking utterly dominant. I just don't think he's going to leave ever if he doesn't want to. No. At any rate, we saw this great play. We saw these strange things. We cannot thank you enough for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's two big games. And we would remind you that on Friday, we have a very special episode coming out. <laughs> it is going to be an interview that I think everyone is going to love. It's with the player who has first decided to reveal that I was coaching her, that we were discussing strategies for going into The Bachelor. And... uh yeah, I just think that you're going to really enjoy it. And um, I'm curious to see what everybody thinks about it as well. She is so amazing and has done some historical things. And I don't think anyone is going to really... I don't think anyone expects that it will be this person. But I think everyone is going to love the conversation. I do too. So please stick around for that. And of course, we got a great... Uh, Digging Deeper coming out next Monday that's going to have so much shit in it from all the sauceware stuff that's happening in the official Bachelor Nation podcast. But before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,506 days without an Asian Bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 